This is the On To Something podcast. This podcast is a place for people who crave a lot out of life. Let's be honest, have no idea how to get there, which feels like it's all of us. In this episode of the series that we're doing in Restless, I want to talk about what do you actually do in rest? How do you spend your time? So if you're the type of person, whoever is like, I know rest is valuable, but what do I do with my hands? This is your episode. Let's hop into it. Have you ever considered what is waiting for you? Let me give you an example. A while ago, I went back home and it was on the week where my birthday was happening. And one of the routines that I have done ever since I left home is the immediate moment I get home, I check the most important room in the house. And no, that would not be the sunroom, the living room, or the bathroom. That's right. I go and I check the kitchen. And this time in which I went and checked the kitchen, I found some very unfortunate news. After ravaging through the kitchen like a raccoon, I discovered the worst news a young man like myself can uncover. The kitchen being completely empty. I remember my heart just sinking because I secretly longed for there to be food to celebrate my big 5-0, you know? Okay, maybe I wasn't turning 50, but I'm... Really not even close to the age of 50, but it sounded more prominent, which would mean there would be food. But I found out there was not. Later that night, though, I went to fetch something out of the spare closet, which we call the closet of random items. To me, it's kind of the graveyard of all of the hangers in the house. But little did I know that this closet would greet me with some great news. When I opened the doors, I was face to face with a closet that was overflowing with snacks and liquid refreshments. That's right, friends, liquid refreshments. Let me put it to you this way. There was enough snackage in this closet that would make a house of fraternity boys blush. I found out that the closet had been a safe house for weeks of just stocking up different items of food during the pandemic. And I had to ask the question of how come this wasn't in the kitchen? Uh, I also had to ask the question of when was I going to find out about this glorious closet? And the answer that I was given is a response that I want to discuss with you about your life and your rest. Because my parents' response is also the response we need to talk about for you. They said, you would find out about it when the day came, meaning my birthday. Here's the deal. I want you to find it. There is something that awaits for you on your day or your time of rest. And when we make room for rest, there's room in our hearts for surprising things we didn't even know about. What is waiting for you exactly? I don't know. I don't know your life, but I want to help you find it. I want to help you find your stash of acorns, your pot of gold that's magically delicious, your closet full of liquid refreshments. Wait, what? Uh, You get it. It's a metaphor. There is great joy waiting for you, and it's right underneath your nose, and I want to help you find it. Let's keep going. Think about it this way. When is the last time that you've mouthed the words underneath your breath, 
that was restful. We think those words tend to find us when we go away somewhere or we go away to do something extravagant once a year, but that's not enough for your soul. And let's be honest, that costs too much to your soul. Rest is not about getting away as much as it's learning about how to make a way for it to enter your life. It's something we learn how to create and invite. The creation story in the scriptures is actually a moment of creation and invitation. If you've ever heard it before, it's basically a walk of day by day of describing the nature of God creating in the world, and the last day being the day where God rests from the work that God does. Now, the connotation that usually goes with the seventh day is that God rested and did nothing. But if you lean closely in listening to the story, that's not actually what you find. If you look closely, you will find the words on the seventh day, God finished God's work and rested. Meaning on the seventh day, God wasn't doing any divine thumb twiddling. When people were describing the nature of rest of God, it was an active type of rest, not a passive type of rest. The experts of the story would actually point out how there was an act of creation on the seventh day. It actually has an activity, a word, which I'm just going to pronounce, minua. The word which we've simplified to be rest is more than just not doing work or strain. It means bringing to a state of being. And what state of being did God bring on the seventh day? Well, experts like Abram Heschel say that the seventh day is where God created tranquility, serenity, and peace. In other words, God didn't just create physical space, but created a time. Rest is an atmosphere to be created. And if our rest is to mimic God's rest, then our rest should also be an atmosphere. And this gets at why this is important for you. Because rest isn't about doing nothing in the time that you allot for it. A state of rest doesn't just naturally rush into your life because you stop doing things in your life. True rest is one of creating an atmosphere of peace and tranquility and wholeness. It's setting yourself up to experience the small surprises of creation and the creator of creation. And possibly now more than ever, you know it takes intentionality in the midst of quarantine life for us to be actually able to rest. If you live in the same place where you work, it's inevitably difficult to just flip the switch. So let's talk about how to invite an atmosphere of rest in your life no matter where you're doing life right now. There's this thinker by the name of Daniel Fleming who has this great observation about the result of the world going in a different way than God intended for it. In that same creation story, at one point, God is actually saying the inevitable result of humanity's struggle because they've chosen a different way. The text actually says it like this. 
that by the sweat of your brow, you will toil and eat food. Now, when we hear the phrase sweat of your brow, we tend to think of it in a metaphorical sense of saying, look, you're going to need to hustle more in life now. And Daniel observes, though, that the ancient meaning wouldn't talk about the actual sweat of your brow, but it would actually be closer to a sense of the anxiety around your work. Think of it this way. Has someone ever told you not to sweat the small stuff? How much did that help you? I'm sure after you throat chop them and no longer followed them on social media, you appreciate that sentiment that they told you. Don't sweat the small stuff. This is the connotation Daniel is talking about. We don't just sweat the small stuff. Let's be real. We sweat all the stuff. Meeting deadlines, having hard conversations, watching our bank account balance, navigating personalities and opinions, knowing what to have for dinner, responding to unread text messages. All of this is an example of the sweat of your brow. In essence, one of our struggles in life is always going to be holding at bay the anxiety of the work that's ahead of us. A life of restlessness is always wrestling with the sweat of your brow. But a life that takes time for rest is one that takes a break from the everyday things you sweat in managing. It's one time during the week where you do the opposite. And this is where Sabbath can come into play for you. A time of rest is creating a different atmosphere than the normal state, or maybe as I should say, the sweaty state you find yourself in, in life. And the biggest surprise for us is that we have more control over this state of being than what we think. The principle is still able to happen today if we take a deep dive into thinking about what creates the metaphorical pit stains in our life, the sweat of your brow. So think of it like this way. A long time ago, in an agricultural society, the sweat of your brow was literal. The work in which you did six days a week was physical. To take time to rest was to step away from physical labor. But in today's digital and societal and transactional world, your days are more mental. So rest is taking time away from the mental calisthenics you do every day in order to be able to rest in a different way. And here's where my own perspective for Sabbath has formed off of the shoulders of other people. If Sabbath is a day of rest that's supposed to be different than the other six days, if it's a day in which I reject and I push and I resist against the sweat of the brow, the anxiety of work, then the principle can stay simple by saying a day or a time of rest is opposite day. If we sweat, sweat it mentally during the week, we try our best to not do mental tasks during the day or time of the week that is our rest. We let this principle guide us in setting up an atmosphere that's different than the other six days where we sweat it in life. Now, let's talk about how do you actually structure a time in which you're not sweating the things that you sweat the rest of the week. One of the most helpful breakdowns I've heard of a time of rest is from a writer by the name of Marva Dawn. She gives a very practical outline of how to design a time of rest that's different than the rest of the week. 
She talks about this rest in four categories. Categories that if you embrace them, you will most likely find yourself finding the surprise that awaits you. It may not be a big bag of Doritos or liquid refreshments, but the surprise is there. Sabbath, in her words, is ceasing, resting, embracing, and feasting. This is how you can easily determine your time of rest. Take the principle of making it opposite day and apply it to each of these categories. Now, let me walk you through each of them with the question. Ceasing. Here's the question you ask with that. What do you do every day that you need to stop doing during your time of rest? See how it's the opposite? Okay, with resting. What do you need to give a break or take a break away from on this day of rest? How about embracing? What or who can you make a unique time for that you don't have time for in the rest of your week? And with feasting, what can you take time to enjoy and consume that you don't get the chance to during the week. Now, if this isn't fully resonating yet, let me walk you through what we in the Witcher household have done in answering these questions to create an atmosphere that makes up a day of rest. Okay, so the first one is, say it out loud, ceasing. Wonderful, wonderful. Don't worry, that person won't keep staring at you even though you're talking to yourself. So here's how I came to the ceasing piece. A large part of my job is writing, creating, and speaking. So on our times of rest, I don't create or write at all. All of it has to be done on Friday before our time of rest on Saturday. Days of rest are days for me to take in incredible writing instead of trying to create incredible writing. And I mean writing in every sense of the word whether that's preparing a lesson, writing emails, writing something to other people, all of it. The writing ceases. All right, for the second category, resting. Uh, A while back, I found that I was averaging of sending and receiving somewhere around 75 text messages a day, and this wasn't including group text. And because of the nature of my job, I have to be able to answer on the same phone That is my personal phone. So I found that what's the thing that I can rest from once a week that I can't the rest of the week? It's my phone. So on the entire Saturday, there's no checking. There's no scrolling. There's no social media. There's no calling. There's no texting. I take a rest from my small pocket screen. My soul rests from responsibilities and responding to people. There is a time in the week that I cannot get in touch with someone. Now, this took time for me to be able to develop. It took intentional conversations with people. It took setting up times to be able to receive emergency calls and different things like that. It also took time for my community around me to learn this. But with time, I took a break from my phone. Okay, embracing. So I found that the best way to embrace during a time of rest 
is to go about the most meaningful relationships I have in a different way. So usually when I talk to God, it is in a very structured time set with a very structured set of prayers and ways in which I dwell with God. But during my time of rest, I have zero prayer agenda with God. It's actually the time in which I can think about anything and I give myself permission to talk to God about anything, no matter how minuscule, no matter how selfish, no matter how much it doesn't lead to anything. That's the type of conversations I have with God. As far as my spouse goes, I've noticed that most of our conversations happen between meals, brushing our teeth, doing the dishes, and checking in between work events. So on our day of rest, Carolina and I go on a walk and we just talk. No agenda. We just find ourselves walking a long ways and talking the entire time. We try to also do things with each other that we don't have time for in the rest of the week. A couple of weeks ago, we actually started a puzzle. A puzzle, people. And finally, I give my family a call to check in. And no, for those of you who are trying to stay legalistic and make sure that I'm actually owing up to my words, uh, I don't use my phone. I actually use a different phone. And in essence... I change the pace and dynamic of conversations. When I check in with family during the week, it's quick, it's transactional. On our time of rest, though, it's the space to just have normal conversations. All right, and then feasting. This one is Carolina's favorite, y'all. On our day of rest, we take all of our health practices and we throw it out the door. We don't tend to cook on days of rest. And we change our dietary restrictions during that time of the week. And we tend to not enjoy desserts during the rest of the week because we have desserts on Saturday, which has been phenomenal because we literally have a ticking time clock in our body that makes us crave Sabbath and times of rest. These are just a few ways that we've created an atmosphere in which we try to rest and keep the sweat of life at bay. I can personally attest to there have been gifts after years of practice with this. You know, I've come out of a time of rest, viewing people differently than when I entered into a time of rest. I've made a life decision right after a time of rest. I came to one of my biggest confessions of wrongdoing in my marriage during a time of rest. I've even walked into chaotic situations with a peace that passes all understanding after a time of rest. Friends, if you hear me say anything, there are gifts to be discovered. And the only thing that's needed is for you to set up an atmosphere to receive those gifts. Now let's get back to you because I want this for you. Some of you, as I've been writing this, I'm intentionally speaking very directly to you. There are small gifts waiting for you in these times of rest that you desperately need to be able to experience. For some of you, it's self-realization. It's right underneath your noses and you don't know it because your pace of life is too quick. For some of you, it's a sigh of relief that I haven't seen you been able to breathe in months. For some of you, it's joy and contentment that honestly you've been too caught up in your weeks that if you were to just take time to rest, you would get to sense 
I also think some of you would come back to God if you took a time of rest. So here's the point. If there's something that awaits you in rest, why are you waiting on this? A great thinker once said, a picture of food doesn't nourish. Only eating food nourishes. It doesn't gain more clear than a statement like this. You can talk about rest all day, but the only thing that will give you rest is actually practicing it. So let's get to it in this order. Pick your time of rest. Tell other people about that rest. Set up your atmosphere for rest. And ask these four questions. What can I cease doing that drains me the rest of the week? What can I take a break from in which I can't take a break from the rest of my week? What and who can I make time for in a unique way during my time of rest? And what can I consume slowly and delightfully during my time of rest? Answer these questions and you will be well on your way to answering what a day of rest looks like for you. And Maybe, just maybe, you'll find your snack closet. It's great to be with you wherever we were walking or driving or working out today. I know that times are really difficult and frustrating, so make sure that you're taking time to stay in touch with others and also stay in touch with yourself. Speaking on the lines of staying in touch, also know we want you to stay in touch with us at the Onto Something podcast. So if you're not already on our email list, you can go to our Instagram, go to our bio, and you can enter it in. Also, we want to hear from you. If something resonates well, send us a DM or an email or a mail carrier pigeon, whatever your choice is. We'd also love to know ideas and people that you'd love to hear from in the future. So until next time, friends, may you remember that you are on to something.